0: I'm Jaya Pathak. I'm the co-founder and deputy editor of Yet Again, and I'm here with Michael Flowers, who wrote an amazing article for us called The Origins of Modern Nationalism, The Rise of the Nation-State in Europe. So Michael, if you could let us know what your article was about.
1: Certainly. So essentially, it's exploring, as in the title, the origin, so where it originated from. So the common misconception from a lot of people is that post-1945, and pre-1945, the rise of nationalism and fascism. But it's much more deeper than that. It goes right back to post-Napoleon. So it's that period of time when you've got the Holy Roman Empire, you've got Italy fragmented, and it's really about a time when people essentially came together. So you've got these various different groups of people from various cultures, social classes, and nationalism very much is a binder. It brings people together, and that's when you start to see the movement away from pure monarchies ruling different groups, and you start to see the rise of independent movements. So the Austro-Hungarian Empire by 1914, it's this weak state that's been slowly ripping itself apart from various groups of national identities. And ultimately the cause of World War I is from someone who wanted independence for their area, assassinating the Archduke. And so it explores how that occurred. So how do we get from the very early roots of nationalism up into the modern day? And it's about exploring as well about the groups who've actually not benefited from nationalism. So how do, you get, how do you deal with the situation, for example, of someone who doesn't fit into the national identity in France? So a Jewish person doesn't fit into the white Christian identity that the central mainland of France had. It doesn't fit into the German identity of a German language, because Yiddish, although it's German, it's not a German-specific language, as they might consider. And so it's exploring essentially both the benefits of nationalism and how it can serve as something to unify people but also the dark side and how actually it can lead to groups being oppressed and so it's really exploring that alongside how we got the situation today with ultimately we're living in the world of the nation state still and i think although a lot of people wouldn't say they live in a nationalistic state all you really have to do is look around you look at germany and it's gone from multiple princely kingdoms into the modern state of germany you look at italy And it's gone from various city-states into an Italian country. You look at the situation in Ukraine today, you've got pro-Russian separatists who identify as Russians wanting to leave the Ukraine, who they don't consider themselves part of. And that's ultimately how you've got situations like Crimea. It's how you've got situations in the Middle East where you've got various groups vying for control. And so very much the discourses of nationalism that exist today all stem from that period of European nationalism that's been almost exported to various groups during the colonization
0: era. Yeah, that's wicked, thank you so much. And for those of you who don't know, the writing process essentially is that myself and the editor, Joe Collins, who also is a co-founder of Yet Again, um, arrange a meeting or a call with people who have abstract ideas and we discuss it. And so this was the first idea Michael had. And I think it's really important to ask, why did you decide to write about this? because there are so many things you could write write in about. You're an incredibly smart person. What was it about this topic that you thought is so crucial to, to understand why atrocity is still occurring?
1: It's ultimately something both I studied at my master's, but also something I think is very relevant to me, a lot of people I know. I think if you look at the situation today in Hungary and Poland, you're seeing that rise of nationalism even more so than before. And it's getting to a point now where you're seeing potentially the EU facing Difficult decision because, on one hand, they've got two very almost far right nationalistic states now threatening to hold the budget hostage. And we're not just seeing that in America, obviously, Donald Trump really brought out more white nationalism than black nationalism in a sense. But at the same time, it's really highlighted the divide between the African American community in America and the white community. And at the same time as that, you've got my own background as being someone who's Jewish, you've got Israel, which was very much founded on Zionism, which is the political movement for the Jewish national self-determination. And you've got those conflicts there. You've got Iran that's rapidly spreading, not in a nationalistic way, but more religious. But at the same time, you've got this Iranian identity that's under threat from the Saudi because religion and nationalism can go hand in hand.
0: Yeah.
1: A lot of people just think nationalism is inherently bad, but it's not. That would be the same thing as me saying socialism is inherently communist. It's taking something to the extreme doesn't make it correct. I think nationalism... It had has benefits i think if you look at lots of countries that have different groups in india for example without nationalism could india exist as a state because the caste system was so ingrained in the culture how would you have the different castes coming together without any form of identity yeah how would you have pakistan existing without nationalism because ultimately you've got a very islamic identifying population they wouldn't without nationalism be able to exist in the same way because them in india would be fighting over land with the same way as Kashmiri identity. Got China's identity in a more aggressive tone, forcing itself on Tibet, for example. So I think the reason I wrote it is because on one hand, I've got my academic background of having studied it for a term and longer. On the other hand, it's something that's becoming more relevant to this day because we're seeing a move away from the centre, much more to the right as a result of various issues from conflict, global warming, the refugee crisis. It's really forcing people to address what their identity is and where do they actually
0: belong. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, the point to make about your own background. So my background, I'm British Indian. So my parents were, we're Indian, we're Hindus, we're Punjabis. So firstly, Punjab in itself is a very tumultuous region. We've There's a deep um, history there of conflict and, you know, that's something that has to be understood. Then I am Hindu. And then I think about the BJP and what's going on in India. And we discuss the concept of nationalism and you know i think india in my opinion that's an example of where it's gone extreme it's become um a, a way for unfortunately the government in india to um per, you know essentially persecute minorities in india i mean my family there will discuss it my friends you can ask anybody who is you know who's part of the indian diaspora and they will say um for a lot of them what is going on and i think that's something that we have to address we have to understand where does nationalism sit in this topic of discussion because for a lot of people they don't understand um enough about it and i think that means that they they don't always call it out so for a lot of people you know i've i i know people who are like you know but jo is that really bad what's going on in india and i'm like i mean we have to understand what what nationalism is where religion comes into play the the way india has always been a diverse country full of so many religious backgrounds and beliefs and how those all complement each other and then think about where nationalism is coming and where the bjp are coming in on and that's why i don't support them that's why i'm very critical of them because i think that a lot of what they are doing is inherently wrong lacks morals and it's quite evil for a lot of minorities there however um i think it's important to understand what nationalism is because unless we have that understanding we can't engage in discussion with people you know i can't talk to somebody who's a bjp supporter if if Neither of us understand what nationalism is, and I can't say to them, "Okay, I can't challenge them on on what their their beliefs are or whatever." And I think that's a really good point that you you mentioned. And then also about nationalism, my parents moved to my dad was born in India, moved to Uganda in East Africa. My mum was born in Kenya, and they had to leave in the sixties, beginning of the seventies, like a lot of Indians and Asians had to do, um, of all different religions, because Idi Amin came into power in Uganda, and there was this, you know. Sense of nationalism, but what it is to be African, and you can't be Asian, you can't be African. And so when it's in your own history, you definitely feel like there's something that we have to learn. And that's why when you approached us and you were like, I want to write this article, I was so happy because not just because you know what you're talking about, but also I think that it's a great way to bring these ideologies and these um concepts to the mainstream. You know, when we're discussing atrocity, we have to think about where we stand now and why the actions of, like you said, nation states now inadvertently and, and quite directly will affect atrocities that may happen in the future or are happening at the moment. Um, and that refers, again, like you mentioned, China, what the CCP are doing to minorities in China, Tibet, Uyghurs. I mean, that's something that's ongoing. And I think that we also have to recognise those, those, con- those, those aspects as well. You know, I think a lot of people um, will discuss this topic of, OK, well, you know, Weren't a lot of the European Jews white. Well, this is the thing. As part of this German nationalism, a lot of them didn't. Un- you know, Jewish people weren't considered white. They weren't considered part of the Aryan race, and that's why they were persecuted. And I think you you have to understand the development of Germany to uh, to appreciate the complexities of this topic. Um, and I think that that leads really nicely onto my next question, which is, do you have any suggestions as to books or documentaries or movies? or historians or academics any type of resources that somebody could could go and look into to give them more understanding about this topic about nationalism and about the role that nationalism plays in in um atrocity and you know i'll kick this off i there's the book um i think it's called the Hot holocaust i can't remember the exact name but it's by lawrence reese it's quite a big book it's brilliant it's because it's a history of the holocaust and the first few chapters are specifically on the rise of nationalism in germany and that gave me so much understanding as to how you know a party like the nazis could come into power because before that i was like how how could this happen And it was brilliant for that. So that's something that I recommend for anybody looking at nationalism from a Holocaust perspective. Michael, do you have any recommendations?
1: So there are two authors which I definitely recommend. So one you've got is called Richard Evans and he really goes deep into nationalism within Europe. So the key book for that I'd recommend is The Pursuit of Power. And that's Europe 1815 to 1914. So he really explores that Napoleonic era onwards about how nationalism morphed up until the First World War with the outbreak of various conflicts between people and the other person i'd recommend is timothy baycroft who has wrote a number of pieces and he more explores the turn of the century so the fin de seal as the french would call it so it's looking at at that very turn of the century what was the situation like uh, basically th- things such as uh social class systems women's rights you see a big change in europe during that time you see the rise of uh mass politics as is often described of the people no longer, it's not limited to just the landowners, it's now a lot more people can vote. Women, for example, when they get the vote, it's this whole new demographic, and it's looking at that shift in that. And I think, as well, if you're exploring different areas, then as horribly as it is to say, I think Mein Kampf is definitely one most people should read at least once to actually understand how we got to where we are. So, how does his ideology ultimately influence Germany? How can someone who committed such heinous acts to the extent maybe the worst one of the worst humans in the world history how does his work actually help us understand his views because you can't learn from something unless you're actually willing to dig deep so you need to actually look from their perspective to understand the flaws in your argument but at the same time if you're looking for example with the jewish history then theodore's herzl's the jewish state is one of the key ones to read but i also recommend two one two books by david ben-gurion and one by shimon perez And it's more their memoirs. It's looking at these two men that came from Europe, how they came to a country in which people from all across the Middle East were forced to come to when they were kicked out of the Arab countries during the various pogroms and persecutions. And it's looking at things such as how does this small group of people that have beat back uh, coalitions against them, how did they build their own national identity in a time when they were very different from one another and they wanted different things? And so ultimately, it's looking at various books from where you your interest. So if you're looking at Germany, for example, there's a great one actually by um, I can't remember his first name, but it's by Abrams, called Bismarck and the German Empire. So it's looking at how did the Germans go from those princely states into one of the, ultimately one of the most powerful states in Europe. And history has shown Germany's consistently, even after wars, it bounces back. So how did we get from a country that was ultimately defeated by Napoleon quite in a humiliating fashion? How have they then become a country that's been involved in two world wars as a major power to Britain? How have we seen Germany divided between the East and West come together once again and now is very much the centre of the European Union as one of the key decision makers? So it's about choosing an avenue, I'd say. I would suggest reading the Evans book, Exploring Europe as a whole, but then finding your niche and actually exploring what interests you. So it could be your own background. It could be just a country that interests you but it's finding what resonates with you so you can actually look into it more because nationalism itself, it's too broad to explore as one specific thing. But even today, you can look at various things. If you want to look at national identity, Shemaima Begum, for example, is a great example. It's not the first generation. It's not the immigrants who, when they come to the country, often have difficulty. It's the second generation. It's the people that were born here, but still don't feel like they fit in. It's someone, for example, with a lot of attacks that have happened across Europe and elsewhere, they've come over, they've brought up their children. It's the children that commit the acts because they don't feel like they're part of the community. Someone who's Turkish who came to Europe, for example, their parents have opened a shop, they've had a happy life, the children have grown up, but they're not that French identity. They don't feel it. Their religion isn't the same religion as the mass population, and they just feel marginalised. So for that all you have to do is go look at documentaries happening now panorama is a great one for that and it's ultimately trying to see how we can actually integrate communities because you look at london it's great it's cosmopolitan it's almost 50 percent international people yeah. but at the same time you look at a lot of the communities and they are ultimately segregating in certain areas for example north london the jewish community is centered you look at central london you have islamic communities centered and people aren't diversifying they're not moving around because they feel more comfortable with their own people that's something that needs to change because otherwise you end up with people not fitting in and you end up with these issues and so really it's those books it's looking at what's happening now it's not being afraid to look at media which may be more right-wing or more left-wing because ultimately if you have that diverse platform you're reading you will be more informed on both sides of the argument.
0: Yeah and that's a really good point to go on because I think that so yet again that's exactly what we try and do we try and encourage um obviously within reason we don't want you know someone from far left far right extreme and you know being you know racist or really awful but i think that there are arguments you know away from the extreme there are people who might identify as right-wing or left-wing um and they they have their own opinions on this that we have to listen to and like you said london i've grown up in london my whole life and london is an exceptionally diverse city um is what i love so much about it and i think that you have to understand again like what is the concept of identity it's like you said it's often the second generation the third generation the generations afterwards who feel like they have they don't know where they belong and I you know I'm really fortunate in that I have been brought up in a way that you know I feel as East African as I do Indian as I do British as I do Hindu you know what I mean as I do Punjabi but I know that's not the sense for a lot of people Um, And like you said, you know, why is it that you have people who come over to France, who who live there, who are minority people, but then go on to commit, um, you know, crimes down the line? As an example, you might have some some issues like that. And I think this, you know, I did a really interesting module about this at university. A lot of it is to do with assimilation, but also isolation and loneliness. And what is the national identity? What can we do as a society to make sure people feel like they can practice their own Um, beliefs or the things that make them different but also feel like they are as British, as French, as German as anybody else living in the country what role does our government play in that as well I think it's a really important part to mention because um you know if i look at um more you know politically from perspective of policies that various governments have put into place whether it's put you know governments on the left or the right how has that made minorities in this country feel you know do they then recluse a little bit more and go back into their own communities often that is the case um because they don't feel again like they belong so where do all of these things fit in and what, what does this mean for national identity and does nationalism um are we able to rein this in so that we can prevent this this deep-rooted history of nationalism leading to things like um atrocity which we have seen so many times before and unfortunately is still happening so michael's piece is absolutely brilliant i'm not just saying that because i know michael really well but also because michael has a really unique understanding obviously from his studies about what's going on and he looks at it from a very Um, a political stance you know he's not looking at it from I'm on the right I'm on the left I'm Jewish I'm British he's referring to factual evidence-based pieces of writing that's what we try and do it yet again so we can provide you with well-researched well-sourced information to allow you to come up with your own conclusions and allow you to critically engage and think how can we challenge this how do we we know how this leads to this okay so how can we work on that to prevent it getting so far down the line. And so I really recommend Michael's piece if you want to learn more about nationalism as a foundation of um, not just, you know, looking at Germany, for example, but Germany are a brilliant example for the reason that, that you know, we look at the Holocaust, we look at atrocity and we look at World War II and Germany's role in, in all of that. But also it goes beyond that as well. It, it goes a little bit further into history and I think that it's an amazing piece and I've never read anything like it. So I really, really recommend it. And... A little bit onto something more general, which I think I would love us to ask as many people as we interview on our podcasts. We are called Yet Again because we all say never again. And we say that, you know, we never want history to repeat itself. But that's not the case. As we can see happening in front of us, it's happening again and again. So I want to ask you, Michael, as somebody who's equally as passionate about this cause as I am, obviously, How do you think that we can ensure that it's not yet again, but it's never again?
1: I think the biggest thing is we need to have a dialogue. We need to actually discuss and accept that European nationalism from before doesn't have to be the same now. Britain isn't the same demographic. It's not the same culture. We're not an empire anymore. We're not keeping people in various areas. And I think we need to have that dialogue in government. We need to actually say, well, what is the modern British identity? because it doesn't just have to be specific religion, it doesn't have to be specific skin colour, doesn't have to be specific areas of origin. I think one of the things that I'm proud of about Britain at the same time is that while we did a lot of crimes, we have become a country, ultimately, that I like to think is welcoming. I mean, I'm proud to say that the majority of my friends are from various different backgrounds and countries of origin. I don't know if I would have had that same experience somewhere else. And I think we need to have that discussion. We need to actually get people to discuss what to them is the modern British identity. Where does it align? For example, you, Jaya, someone who I'd probably completely disagree with and I'd love to have an argument with them, might say that you're not British because you've come from a different background. And I challenge them and say, well, why, if anything, she's more British than you because your values are actually, you're about welcoming people, you're about making a difference. It doesn't just have to be the old world. We have to look forward because... Nationalism can be a force for good. It can bring people together. The Arab-Israeli conflict, for example, the only way that's going to be solved is through nationalism, because we need to understand that there's two different national identities in play. We can't just look at the world before. We have to look forward. We have to look with Kashmir, for example, how can we solve that when there's different national identities at play? We have to look at the Uyghurs as this distinct national group that are being oppressed under Chinese expansionism. We have to look at how we got to where we are today from the past and we have to accept that there's a lot of problems with nationalism but it doesn't have to stay that way it's the same way that marxism for example a lot of people will look at it and think of the memories of stalin and everything that's happened under him the millions of deaths but it doesn't have to stay that way socialism can evolve it can be something that's looking after people more so we need to actually just ultimately evaluate where it's gone wrong what can we do to improve it and ultimately bring that dialogue on what is nationalism today and what does it mean to me specifically?
0: Yeah. And I think that's, um, you know, that's one thing we need to encourage dialogue and that's what we hope to do on yet again, you know, give people the foundational understanding of the facts and allow them to take it away and then shape their own ideas and go and research Born, I think that's something that we have to ask ourselves. We have to say, you know, what has happened in history that hasn't worked Um, you know what what are my beliefs what what do I think that it should mean to be British and it should be more you know than our individual identities but it's important to also acknowledge that each you know group in in Britain have their own um, identities to be proud of and we can bring together all of those things and say actually that's what's British it's saying that we accept people from no matter where where we are we're all the same we're all equal and I think that you know Everyone's going to have a different experience of it. I I have, you know, I'm really fortunate in that. Yeah, I have experienced racism. I have experienced discrimination like that before, but it's not, nowhere near to the extent I know some of my friends have or some of my family have. When my parents moved here, they were part of the generation um, who had a lot of it was when the EDL were huge and they had a lot of racism coming from that end so we you know listen to people if people say well i don't think britain is that welcoming i don't think this that's you know let's talk let's let's see right what is going wrong why is britain not the way it should be you know a lot of people come and choose to to come to britain because it do, you know it does seem like that that land of equality and that land of acceptance and that's why we have such a diverse community here so what is going wrong and and how can we challenge it and how can we make sure that we all play our part in preventing atrocities from occurring and groups from being persecuted against, you know, on such a level, which is happening now. So that was great. Thank you so much, Michael. And like I said, if you guys are really interested in reading this bit about nationalism, it's on our website, which is yetagainuk.com. Um, and we also have social It's at Yet Again UK. And It would be amazing to to see what you guys think as well, because it is really, truly an amazing piece and we are so proud of it. Thank you, Michael, for joining us and for writing for us.
1: Thank you very much, Jeff.